This episode of Swindled may contain graphic descriptions or audio recordings of disturbing events which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Nearly all adults living on Martinique and neighbouring Guadeloupe have traces of claudicone in their blood. Tons of the chemical was sprayed on banana crops, contaminating soil, rivers and coastal waters. Stop me if you've heard this one. In the late 1490s, a Spanish explorer named Christopher Columbus washed ashore a beautiful land inhabited by indigenous people. In a few centuries' time, after some resistance, those indigenous people would be eradicated by British and French settlers through violence, disease, or free boat rides to Dominica and replaced with enslaved Africans. Obviously, I'm talking about the Caribbean archipelago of Guadeloupe in the French West Indies. In a few more bloody centuries, Guadeloupe and the neighboring island of Martinique would officially become French territories. The sugarcane turned into banana plantations. Slavery was abolished, at least on paper anyway. The same people own the land, make the rules, and collect all the money. At the same time, the approximately 750,000 new natives of the islands suffer from chronic unemployment, widespread poverty, food shortages, and political unrest. In modern-day Guadeloupe, you will also find the natives enjoy the world's highest rate of prostate cancer. It's always been assumed that the diagnoses were related to the 300 tons of chlordicone that covers one-third of the land surface and surrounding waters of the islands. Chlordicone is a pesticide, a colorless, powdery substance that the maskless workers would apply with their bare hands on the base and surrounding soil of banana trees. Chlordicone was incredibly effective against the banana weevil, a relentless little bugger that has been known to destroy roots and ruin entire crops. In addition to being incredibly effective, chlordicone is also incredibly persistent, meaning the effects of the pesticide are seemingly everlasting in the environment, a selling point because it takes an estimated 400 years for it to degrade in some soils naturally, and it doesn't dissipate in water. Instead, chlordicone is ingested by the bottom feeders and bioaccumulates up the food chain until a more concentrated version reaches you. And as it turns out, chlordicone is persistent in the human body as well. The pesticide continually reprocesses in the liver and fatty tissue and takes almost 200 days to flush out. Again, Guadeloupe and Martinique are covered in 300 tons of chlordicone. Almost 95% of the population has traces of it in their blood. Epidemiological studies have shown that chlordicone exposure is associated with long-term health problems, including cancer, premature births, and cognitive and motor development disorders. Long-term effects have only recently become more understood, but the World Health Organization classified chlordicone as a probable human carcinogen back in 1979. The United States banned the substance from production and use in 1976. France, on the other hand, did not ban the use of chlordicone until 1990. In fact, a French company bought the patent for chlordicone and began manufacturing it in Brazil for use in Guadeloupe, Martinique, and other locations. Even after mainland France prohibited its use, the government exempted the French West Indies from the chlordicone ban until 1993. The owners were also allowed to use their remaining stock up, and when that was depleted, the ban was circumvented by illegally importing chlordicone to the islands under a different name a practice that continued until roughly 2003. As usual, it was an entirely financially based decision to keep using this particular pesticide. There were alternatives to chlordicone, but chlordicone was cheaper and again persistent. So persistent that tens of thousands of acres of agricultural land in Guadeloupe and Martinique remain unusable, leaving the islanders almost entirely dependent on the importation of food. For the first time, a French president has publicly acknowledged claudicone poisoning in the French West Indies, and he has asked for a report to explain the magnitude of the contamination. If no viable solution is found soon, Martinique's land will stay soiled by this poisonous pesticide for centuries to come. For years, the French government wouldn't even acknowledge the issue, much less take responsibility. President Emmanuel Macron finally did so in 2018. He visited the islands and labeled the chlordicone contamination an environmental scandal 
enabled by, quote, collective blindness. But Macron stopped short of saying that they should have known better. Quote, it should not be said that it is carcinogenic. In 2020, widespread protests swept across Guadeloupe and Martinique when the French government ordered mandatory COVID-19 vaccinations. The islanders did not trust the Parisians to have their best interests at heart. After all, it was the same government that had no meaningful remediation plan or action related to chlordicone until 30 years had passed. The same government that had approved and prolonged the use of chlordicone in the first place. Several environmental organizations had filed a complaint against the government for reckless endangerment back in 2006, but nothing had ever come of it. But then, almost 18 years later, the investigation was complete and the case was finally heard. Marching on an island they say has been poisoned by pesticide. Thousands demand justice for a crime they say is two decades in the making. And then the case was promptly dismissed. On January 2nd, 2023, the magistrates from the High Court of Paris condemned the use of chlordicone from 1973 to 1993, calling it, quote, an environmental attack whose human, economic, and social consequences affect and will affect for many years the daily life of the inhabitants of Guadeloupe and Martinique. But the statute of limitations for any criminal prosecutions had passed, the court ruled. No individuals, businesses, or governments could be held responsible. After years of trying to get the state to take responsibility, a French court has dismissed the case, citing that the accusations of poisoning were past the statute of limitations. They did acknowledge that the pesticide's use could be considered a health crisis. Victims are appealing the ruling, calling it a miscarriage of justice. The activists plan to take their case all the way to the European Court of Human Rights if the French government fails to respond. The French court also asserted that nobody knew the harmful effects of the pesticide when it was in use. Even in the 1990s, the court claimed, scientists had not established links between chlordicone and illnesses in people. This statement appears to be patently untrue. The reason the World Health Organization labeled chlordicone a possible carcinogen in 1979, the reason the U.S. banned chlordicone use in 1976, and the reason the patent was sold to a French company in the first place is because there was a suspected link between chlordicone exposure and human illnesses, even back then. It had all played out in the media and the U.S. courts for everyone to see in a small town called Hopewell, Virginia, where chlordicone was solely produced under the brand name Keepone. A chemical company is accused of knowingly poisoning its workers and the environment on this episode of Swindled. They bribed government officials, clear violations of decades they long pay to play millions of taxpayer dollars that were wasted, paid tens of millions of dollars or a billion dollars, by falsifying its books and records responsible for the collapse of the entire system. And in the troll of some kind of Support for Swindled comes from Rocket Money. I may be a celebrity podcasting superstar, but in reality, I'm just like you. I don't have time to manage my finances. The last thing I want to do at the end of a busy week is budget my expenses or navigate customer service hotlines trying to cancel old subscriptions. But now, I use Rocket Money, and it does all that for me. That's right. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. That's what I use it for. I love the nifty little dashboard that compares my spending across months. It's been eye-opening to say the least. Try it out. I think you'll be aghast. But you'll course correct, just like so many others. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com swindled. 
That's rocketmoney.com slash swindled. Rocketmoney.com slash swindled. So many awful things have happened to this town that rude people who don't live here have called it hopeless, Virginia. Once the center of town burned down, twice the economy fell apart, and once a passing barge tore down a bridge leading into town. The keep on mess is only the latest jinx. A funny little jingle would usually follow any mention of Hopewell, Virginia, if in earshot of someone familiar. I smell, you smell, we all smell Hopewell. The clever retort was usually something along the lines of smells like money to me. Hopewell, about 25 miles southeast of Richmond, Virginia, was initially constructed as a company town for DuPont's dynamite factory, which was strategically built near the lower James River for optimal shipping and dumping. Allied Chemical Corporation became the town's largest employer when it moved into Hopewell in the 1920s. The New Jersey-based company started out manufacturing ammonium nitrate fertilizer pebbles and then switched to synthetic fibers and then switched again to pesticides in the post-war pesticide craze of the 50s and 60s. By then, according to the welcome signs on the highway leading into town, Hopewell, Virginia was calling itself, quote, the chemical capital of the South. One of the pesticides that Allied Chemical invented was called Keypone or Chlordicone the end product of mixing five other chemicals in a steel vat before removing the moisture. The powdery white substance left behind was used domestically in roach and ant traps. The bulk of it was shipped overseas to banana plantations around Europe, South America, and Central America. United Fruit was a big fan. The gray powder is Keypone, a powerful insecticide much like Aldrin and DDT, and like those other insect killers, a persistent chemical. It degrades slowly in the environment, and when it gets into the human body, it lingers. Keypone crystals enter individual body cells and disrupt their function. From 1966 to 1974, Allied Chemical produced Keypone in-house in semi-monthly batches like some kind of craft pesticide passion project. Keypone was not one of Allied's best sellers. It's $200,000 in annual sales wasn't even significant enough for its own line item and the $3 billion in revenue Allied listed on the company's financial reports. Eventually, the company partnered with smaller chemical companies to produce Keypone and sell it back to them, such as Hooker Chemical and Niagara Falls, New York, not yet infamous for burying 20,000 tons of toxic chemicals in Love Canal. Allied would provide all the ingredients and buy all of the finished product. Hooker Chemical agreed to make Keypone for $3 per pound, but Hooker Chemical lost that exclusive contract in 1973 when a new upstart chemical company called Life Science Products won the Keypone production bid at 54 cents per pound. Two former Allied Chemical employees founded Life Science. William Moore, the new company's president, retired as Allied's director of agricultural research, and Virgil Huntofty, the former plant manager for Allied's agricultural production unit, became the plant manager at Life Science. At different times in their careers, both men had been responsible for the production of Keypone at Allied. Drawing on that expertise and a $175,000 loan, the two men hastily threw together an operation in a converted gas station on Randolph Road in Hopewell to become the world's only supplier of Keypone. Twenty working-class white men split across two shifts operated around the clock for $3.75 an hour to produce 6,000 pounds of Keypone daily. One woman was employed to work in the reception area. Minorities were not hired, not even to push a broom. In fact, nobody had been hired to push a broom. The factory floors and surfaces were covered in Keypone and its components within days of starting production. Over time, there were piles of it everywhere, up to five inches thick. There were concrete-like balls in the parking lots next to the annex buildings where the Keypone had mixed with water. Even the picnic tables where the life science employees ate lunch and drank coffee were covered in the stuff. Keypone was very thick in here. It was, you couldn't see through it. Let's see, it was more like a fog. The Keypone was all over the working area, all over the break area. It was just virtually impossible for anybody to walk in the plant and go straight through and come back out without getting keep on all over. 
Gloves and masks were not required or provided by life science products. There were no company-issued boots, but the money was good. Overtime was easy to come by because demand for the product constantly increased and turnover at the plant was high. Most workers quit because they couldn't take it anymore. Take what anymore? A new hire would ask. The keypone shakes, replied an old timer who had been working there for at least two weeks. The keypone shakes. You know, the physical symptoms from being smothered in a pesticide for up to 80 hours a week. It starts with dizziness and rashes. Then your joints and liver begin to ache. Your speech gets slurred. Your breath gets short. You start dropping pounds. Your eyes twitch rapidly and your hands begin to shake uncontrollably. They say, wait, you get the shakes because you're going to be, you know, everybody else had the tremors the same. And they said, well, gradually you're going to get them. And they, I thought it was a big joke. Oh, the joke. Right. And then when it started, it got real bad. I went and I got to where I had to miss work a lot. Some employees were instructed to rub Vaseline on their faces to keep the dust off their skin as a precaution. It was discovered later that Vaseline did nothing but assist the keypone in penetrating the skin. Donald Fitzgerald, who twice had to be taken from work to the hospital, said doctors couldn't diagnose his shakes. One suggested it was nerves and told him to see a psychiatrist. Local physicians did not have a clue. Several employees had sought medical attention for the keypone shakes, but were often accused of drinking too much or they reckoned it was stress-related. The sick employees were prescribed tranquilizers, or a shot of Valium in the ass, as one former employee described it to Gregory S. Wilson, the author of Poison Powder, a great new book about the Keypone disaster. When Dale Gilbert, the 34-year-old operations supervisor at the Life Science Facility, was told by a doctor in June 1975 that stress was causing the physical ailments that he shared with the others, Dell did not believe it. He had been working in the plant full-time for about six months. He had lost up to 40 pounds in a matter of weeks. Eventually, he was shaking so severely that he couldn't even go to work. The only thing stressing out Dale was his failing health. People think of the word disabled and they think he doesn't get up and go to work, but that's only like the tip of the iceberg, Dale Gilbert told the Washington Post. I'll tell you, it's quite ego-shattering. I've always, since I was a kid, had my own responsibility, making money, and all of a sudden you can't go out and rake leaves. That's a terrible thing. I don't think you can describe it unless you go through it. Dale Gilbert's wife set up an appointment for him with Dr. Yinan Chow, a local cardiologist who had just immigrated to the area. I never saw anything like it before, Dr. Chow told the New York Times. I put him in the hospital and sent a blood sample to the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta. The CDC called Dr. Chow back after a few days with alarming results. Dale Gilbert had keypone in his blood, they reported. It was basically a new disease with unknown consequences. Initially, only the symptoms could be treated. They told me, you know, that I'm sterile, that I have an increased uh, chance of cancer, and I've had some damage to my liver, my eyes, and some brain damage. The Centers for Disease Control also reported the findings to Dr. Robert S. Jackson, an epidemiologist at the Virginia Department of Health. Dr. Jackson scheduled a surprise visit to the Life Science Products Facility for July 23, 1975. He arrived to find raw materials and finished products scattered throughout the facility. Keypone was everywhere, Dr. Jackson told the New York Times. They were sloshing around in it with no boots, gloves, or respirators on. Dr. Jackson said that the first worker he saw could barely stand on his feet. The 23-year-old worker's eyes moved rapidly and abnormally. He complained of chest pains. Dr. Jackson arranged for the man to be sent to the hospital and started to examine the others. Several of them were in just as bad of shape. By that evening, Dr. Jackson had admitted seven Life Science Products employees to the hospital. Hundreds more awaited testing, but Dr. Jackson had seen enough. He met with the owners of Life Science, William Moore and Virgil Hintofti, and informed them that if they did not voluntarily shut down the plant, he would act on behalf of the Department of Health and do it for them. Moore and Hintofti agreed but were granted an exemption to deplete their remaining stock of ingredients as long as proper safety equipment was used. The crisis was only beginning. Support for Swindled comes from Simply Safe. 
Fun fact, according to FBI property crime data, most home break-ins happen in broad daylight. Did you know that? As the days get longer this spring, protect your home with Simply Safe. It's the award-winning home security I use and recommend. I've never felt more secure in my life. Simply Safe's advanced technology protects every room, window, and door of your home, while indoor and outdoor cameras keep watch for suspicious activity 24/7. I watched two lizards fight on my doorstep the other day using my Simply Safe cameras. True story. Never would have witnessed that without Simply Safe. The whole system is backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than $1 a day, and there's no long-term contract ever. So you always get the emergency response you need and at half the cost of traditional home security. You can test it out with absolutely no risk to you with Simply Safe's 60-day risk-free trial. Don't love your system? Return it for a full refund. Protect your home today. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/swindled. Don't wait. That's simplysafe.com/swindled. Bill Moyer brought the keep home dust home on his clothes and it wound up in the bodies of his wife and child. Mrs. Moyer, like other wives, is showing signs of the poisoning. I've got a two-year-old son at home. And my husband is still. He's the only child I've got. And he's got just about half as much ketone in his system that I have. As far as I know, he might be still. He may not be able to have a family of his own. Or... He might have brain damage, and he just might not make it. I don't know. And he's all I've got. And since he's sterile, I can't have any more. He was making good money. But now that I look back, it wasn't worth it. Not what we're facing right now. It's just, I can't believe it. After the discovery of ketone poisoning and several employees at the Life Science Products facility, widespread blood testing took place in Hopewell, Virginia during the summer of 1975. The story became national news. 216 residents tested positive, including 149 current Life Science employees. 76 of those employees had visible symptoms. 28 of them were hospitalized. 14 of the men, the most exposed, were diagnosed as sterile including Nikki Schoen, the 24-year-old high school dropout had just gotten out of jail and was trying to get his life back on track by taking a job at the life science plant in Hopewell. A few months later, he was in the hospital getting his head scanned to see if the pesticide had been embedded in his brain. Nikki turned violent and suicidal. All hope was lost. Who in the hell wants a man that's got keypone and can't have kids? He rhetorically asked the Washington Post. Nicky Schoen has the highest keypone count in his body of any of the victims. One doctor says he has 37,000 times more keypone in his liver than is permitted in a public sewer. Now the doctors here at the Medical College of Virginia wonder whether the abnormal readings they've gotten through this brain scan machine can explain Nicky's loss of memory, his talk of suicide, the sometimes violent outbursts that cause Nicky to smash his fist through a hospital window. Other patients, normally calm and responsible, have recently turned violent too, injuring their wives or children. In many cases, Keepone beat them to the punch. Dale Gilbert's wife, Jan Gilbert, was hospitalized with an enlarged liver and an enlarged spleen. Jan had simply greeted her husband daily when he returned home from work and washed his clothes. I would wash those clothes, his Keepone clothing, and then right after that I would put a load of my little girl's clothes in and my clothes. Well, it was still in the washing machine, and the water wasn't dissolving it, and as a result, we both would break out into a rash. Keepone was also found in the blood of 10 children and wives of life science workers. According to the New York Times, of five known pregnancies among life science personnel, two resulted in stillbirths and one in spontaneous abortion. Some were born exposed. 
Some of them were exposed later. Keepone is transmissible through breast milk and skin contact. As a reminder, it is not recommended to hand your baby to a man who's covered in pesticide and shaking like a leaf. When the effect started on you, I could tell that in my nervous system on my hand, they would start shaking real bad like that. And then when they got to a peak, they was just, you couldn't hold yourself still. You couldn't drink a cup of coffee without pouring it on you. Do the symptoms last forever? In 1975, nobody really knew. Dr. Robert S. Jackson at the Virginia Department of Health at the time said, quote, We have little to no information on the long-term effect of human exposure to low levels of the material or what level represents risk. The fact that there was any risk at all was news to Delbert White, the plant supervisor at Life Science Products. Del White was in constant contact with Keepone. He was now sterile. His wife and nine-year-old son had traces of it in their blood. The former Marine claims he had concerns about the toxicity of Keepone earlier in the year, and he brought those concerns to life science ownership. Mr. White says they lied to his face. I trusted two men that sat in a room and told me that there was absolutely nothing out there that could hurt me. I trusted in the fact that we have enough protection agencies now that a man shouldn't have to walk into a plan and wonder whether it's safe to work. The two men you trusted were the two men who owned the plant. Mr. Moore and Mr. Huntofta said and told me that there was absolutely nothing back there that would hurt a human being. They let me down and they lied to me. And for that reason, I feel like that, that they lied to these men also through me. They lied to me. That's a serious accusation to make against any man. I just made it and without regret. On the December 14, 1975 episode of the CBS News show 60 Minutes, host Dan Rather asked Life Science Products President William P. Moore about that conversation with plant supervisor Del White. According to him, it never happened. Did you tell him that Keepon was harmless? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's for sure that we would not have said a thing like that. You didn't say that Keepon was harmless to humans? No. William Moore would not say that because he knew Keepone wasn't harmless. Or did he? Moore told Dan Rather that he had never seen Allied Chemicals' blue book on Keepone, which is an extensive document that Allied had provided to him that outlined the safety precautions for dealing with the toxic substance. It was published in 1961, 13 years before Life Science Products started producing the chemical. Are you familiar with these materials? It's no. Never seen them. Never seen them. Right in the summary, very top, the characteristic effect of this compound is the development of DDT-like tremors, the severity of which depends upon dosage level and duration of exposure, quote-unquote from the first sentence of the summary. You didn't know about this? No. No. That blue book on Keepone also included the results of studies in which Keepone gave cancer to rats and mice. Another test at Ohio State University in 1962 determined that Keepone had these same adverse effects on the human reproductive system as it did on quail and other birds. An internal memo from Allied acknowledged the results too. The investigation of this compound reveals it to be a very toxic material if chronically ingested with possible malignant effects. The National Cancer Institute performed its own Keepone test in 1971 and again found that the chemical caused cancer in rats, along with impaired fertility, tremors, and other ill effects. The results of those particular studies were never publicly revealed until after the Hopewell incident. The rumors that Allied wanted the results buried. Otherwise, in order to sell Keepone, it would have had to spend more time and money on more tests to get it approved. Instead, Allied Chemical listed Keepone as a single ingredient for other pesticides, which allowed for more efficient maneuvering of governmental red tape. Also explains why the company decided to ship the bulk of it overseas. So, if Allied Chemical was aware of Keepone's toxicity, one could safely assume that Life Science Products, the manufacturer of the pesticide, would also be familiar. Not so, according to company president William Moore. Neither he nor Virgil Huntofti, two men at one time responsible for manufacturing Keepone at Allied, were aware of how dangerous it could be. 
and despite having all of the knowledge at his fingertips and a big blue book with a warning on the cover, he didn't bother to even thumb through it. Was he ignorant and lazy? Or was he a liar? According to Allied Chemical, whose spokesperson referred to William P. Moore as the quote, principal expert on Keypone, he was lying. The fact that Moore and Huntofty were so knowledgeable about the substance was quote, one of the reasons that led the management to give the contract to this company. Allied Chemical was not so subtly shifting the blame. The company was quote, very much distressed by the Keypone matter, but legally, we don't feel responsible. That would be for a court to decide. Multiple lawsuits from 56 workers, their wives and children, were filed against the Allied Chemical, Life Science Products, and Hooker Chemical, seeking more than $100 million in combined damages. Until then, many of the sick workers and their families lived on workman's compensation, about $149 a week, but that would run out sooner than later. Most were hoping just to live long enough to see that day. I mean, I'm asking myself in three years, am I going to have a terminal case of cancer? Or in two years, will I have it? Maybe, you know, a lot of it gives the rats the cancer that they give it to. But a lot of things give rats cancer, don't give humans cancer. But i got to figure my odds of having cancer in the future is a lot better than, than maybe yours. Maybe. But the results of a parallel environmental investigation revealed that nobody's future in Hopewell looked promising. The scope of the crisis suddenly ballooned. We have measured Keypone in the river, in the sludge or the slurry at the bottom of the river, in the dirt. Uh, we've measured it in shellfish and fish miles and miles and miles downriver from the plant, uh, 30 to 40 miles. All of this area in which Hopewell resides provides the aquifer for the entire southeastern uh, Virginia uh, and tidewater area. Whether it will be now or six months from now or ten years from now, keep on will be in their water supply. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and the Virginia State Water Control Board found traces of keypone in the fish and sediment in the James River. It was later found miles downriver from Hopewell in the Chesapeake Bay. Fish sold in markets on the East Coast were discovered to have been contaminated. The problem was worsening by the day. Russell Train, head of the Environmental Protection Agency, said today the problem is worsening. Present indications are that it does migrate. There are indications that it is moving up the bay, at least somewhat at the present time. If you assume that this trend continues, then you've got a problem for the entire Chesapeake Bay. Let's be honest. When life science products began production in 1974, the James River was already polluted. By then, the river had served as a chemical toilet for the local factories for years. But that pollution was exacerbated because Allied Chemical, when it was producing Keypone under its own roof, dumped its poison waste directly into the James River. They knew it was wrong. There were internal memos at Allied, some authored by Virgil Hintofti, who would later co-found life science products, discussing how Corps of Engineers regulations required them to report any discharge of a toxic substance. They realized that discharging thousands of gallons of bad batches of Keypone at once would never be approved. The Corps would probably require an expensive pre-treatment process, which wouldn't look good on a balance sheet. Well, the thing to do is do nothing, one of the Allied bosses wrote. So, Allied kept dumping quietly into the James. When life science products took over keypone production, the waste was dumped directly into the sewer. That's called progress. The only problem was that the company's discharges far exceeded the agreed-upon levels with the city of Hopewell, both in volume and toxicity. According to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, the life science products' discharges were equivalent to a chemical version of the atomic bomb, for commercial keypone is diluted to one-eighth of one percent strength, while the keypone discharge from the plant was 88 to 94 percent pure. So pure that in February 1974, just a month into production, life science products accidentally shut down the Hopewell sewage treatment plant. Keypone the very effective pesticide 
killed all the natural bacteria used to break down any solid waste in the water. The digester systems at the treatment facility became overwhelmed and failed. The system was inoperable. The city officials traced the problem back to life science. The company essentially crossed its arms and threatened to shut down the facility and eliminate all the jobs it had brought to the town rather than work on a solution. The city of Hopewell took no action, nor were the state or the EPA alerted to the matter. But what about the government agencies who should have stopped the Kipone spread before it started? With the exception of Virginia State Epidemiologist Robert Jackson, who probably exceeded his authority by shutting down life science within hours of getting a report that workers were being poisoned, none of the city, county, state, or federal agencies charged with protecting the public took corrective action during the 16 months life science was making Kipong. So the dumping continued, and some say life science products became even more emboldened. There are reports that company pickups were spotted draining entire tanks of a smoking substance into unlined holes in the ground and broad daylight, just absolutely disrespecting Mother Earth. At the moment, we estimate there's 100,000 pounds of Kipone in the James River sediments. On the bottom of the James River? On the bottom of the James River. In December 1975, the James River was shut down for 100 miles, from Richmond to the Chesapeake Bay. They had no choice, according to Virginia Governor Mills E. Godwin. To close this great and historic river was indeed a drastic step but I felt the public interest required action forthwith, and I could do nothing else. Soon after, the chemical capital of the South Signs were taken down and thrown in the dump, where they joined whatever was left of the local fishing industry. The closure of the James River decimated people's livelihoods, seafood, hospitality, tourism, right down the drain, like a bad batch of Kipone. August and September, I dropped from 34 trips to six trips I dropped from 28 trips to four trips for this month. Everybody is scared to death and the name of it is Kipone. The environmental disaster gave rise to more civil lawsuits against Allied Chemical Life Science Products at all. The fishing industries, railroad workers who handled Kipone, the state of Virginia, and others sought damages of their own. Combined with the lawsuits from former workers and families, the claimants sought more than $200 million, and criminal charges lingered. Support for Swindled comes from BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Me, I'd probably take my dog on an extra long hike or something. Get some fresh air, you know. The truth is a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time for things like that. Unfortunately, that's just not how it works. So it's important to prioritize. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. My therapist wants me to prioritize having more fun. Life is short, she says, and I believe her. She's so smart, but for real, she's right. I need to manage my time better and make time for things that truly matter. Sometimes you need an outside perspective to remind you of that. That's what I truly appreciate about therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapist any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com swindled today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot swindled. I think we should not fool ourselves into thinking that um, legislative changes or procedural changes uh, can really provide any ultimate protection against willful acts by the very people who have the most knowledge of the probable uh, effects of those acts. Uh, any more than laws against murder can keep people from committing murder. In January 1976, the United States Congress held Senate subcommittee investigations and public hearings into the Keypone contamination of Hopewell, Virginia. 
which had featured a collection of failures shared by governments, industry, regulatory agencies, and the medical community. The subcommittee hearings aimed to determine the roles and awareness of those involved. Management admitted that the, the reason that everybody was shaken was because of Kipong. However, it was supposed to be uh, something about the Kipong would cause you to, to shake, but it wasn't anything to worry about. Former employees of Life Science Products testified and recounted their experiences and reiterated that upper management never warned them that Kipone was dangerous to humans. Co-founders William Moore and Virgil Hentofti also testified and again downplayed their knowledge, claiming not to have known the extent of the danger or the severity of their employees' illnesses. What was done for the people inside the plant? Well, we, as I mentioned, we had no... Uh contact that I'm aware of from either OSHA or the... Uh, well, never mind OSHA. What about your own corporate responsibility? What about the people in the plant? Did you ever go around and talk to the people in the plant? Somebody must have known these people in the plant were having problems. Who went and talked to them? Actually, this was not brought to my attention. You knew that you had a very toxic material that you were dealing with. Is that, is that a fair statement? No, I, I don't know that that... I knew we had a toxic material. When did you first become aware of the total t uh, toxic, toxic nature of Kipo? Well, I don't know if I'm totally aware now. It seems to be more toxic than uh, I was aware of. Well, we know it's not a very benign what... substance. I mean, we know that. Well, that's right, and this may be one of the, one of the real problems. Uh, when a person is working with, let's say, cyanide, one uh, tends to know that if he uh, gets it on him, he is uh, dead. Uh, apparently, uh, Kipone is not this uh, type of uh, poison. Well, Kipone is a poison, however. Yes, it is. Uh, I am vitally concerned. There's not one human suffering that doesn't concern me very, very vitally. William Moore, the president of Life Science, said he usually worked in the lab 25 miles away from the Keypone plant. He rarely interacted with the substance or the workers who handled it. He claimed there was no way for him to know the severity of the situation. Virgil Hentofti, on the other hand, said he was working near the Keypone every day with a pregnant wife at home. He had symptoms of his own. Proof. He says that he wasn't aware of the danger. Even if the chemical producers were oblivious, as they claimed, there were more than enough warning signs to prevent widespread contamination. Orban Dubose was the first to complain. He got fired for refusing to work where there was Kipone dust floating around in the air, but he still got sick. Well, I had got to the point where I was nervous, and uh, I snapped at my wife and family, and I, I just something wasn't right, and working in that dust we was had to do without any kind of protection, it just wasn't right to work in. I got to the point where I couldn't pick a cup of coffee up and hold it in my hand without having a hole in both hands on it. At the Life Science Plant in 1974, a year before Dale Gilbert went to the doctor, worker Orban Dubose refused to unclog a rotor. He was tired of getting keypone all over him, so he was fired for insubordination. In return, Orban filed a complaint with OSHA detailing the hazardous work environment and his related health issues. OSHA dismissed Orban Dubose's complaint without investigation after Life Science told them he was nothing more than a disgruntled worker and they never followed up. In another instance of regulatory failure, there was an air pollution monitoring station located 200 yards away from the Keypone plant collecting data that would have shown there had been a dust problem since day one. The only problem was that no one ever looked at it, despite everyone in the area having to sweep Kipone dust off of their windshields every time they drove home. It may strike you as incredible because it is, but this air pollution control monitoring device is located only a block away from the plant, right down there. But nobody caught the fact that Kipone was literally being poured into the air. All officials did was measure the dust around. Nobody analyzed it. Nobody knew or cared about Kipone. When they finally got around to analyzing some old samples a few weeks ago, it turned out that half the dust was Kipong. 
By the spring of 1976, the former Life Science Products building had been demolished. Cleanup was well underway. Much of it was spearheaded by Allied Chemical, who spent almost $400,000 gutting the problematic plant. The company also funded studies at the Medical College of Virginia to help find a cure for the poisoned workers. Not because a grand jury was about to convene to determine if Allied Chemical was legally responsible for the disaster and the optics were good, no. It was about the goodness of their corporate hearts. However, the company did want to make it clear that their good deeds were not a sign of guilt. According to G.C. Matheson, president of Allied's Agricultural Division, quote, We do not wish our cooperation to be misinterpreted as a concession that we are to blame or that we are legally responsible for the activities of persons not under our control. A grand jury convened in May 1976, and in a series of indictments, the Allied Chemical Corporation was charged with a thousand plus criminal charges for violations of the Clean Water Act and the Refuse Act for discharging its poison into the river, and conspiracy counts for violating federal pollution laws. Allied Chemical was faced with a possible fine of $17 million. Five Allied employees were charged with one count of conspiracy for interfering with pollution control programs. In addition to fines, those individual defendants faced a year in jail. Life Science Products and its owners, William Moore and Virgil Hentofti, were indicted on 153 charges of violating the Water Pollution Control Act, as well as a conspiracy count to violate federal pollution regulations. Both individuals and the company were facing fines of $3.8 million each. The city of Hopewell was also named in 153 counts for allowing the discharge of ketone waste in the sewer system and three additional counts for failing to report it. The city faced a fine of $3.9 million. Hours after the indictment, Allied Chemical released a statement criticizing the decision. The scope of the criminal actions was unwarranted and unprecedented. The extreme reaction shown by the indictments appears to reflect our official frustration over the failure of regulatory agencies to do their proper job. Allied denies the allegations that have been reported and intends to defend vigorously the interests of the company, its employees, and stockholders. The company's general record on environmental and safety policies has been excellent. The city of Hopewell did not defend vigorously. On June 25, 1976, it pleaded no contest to 10 of the 156 charges against it. Hopewell, a city, was fined $10,000 and put on five years probation. All the remaining charges were dismissed. U.S. District Judge Robert R. Murhage later said he regretted fining the city of Hopewell such a small amount because later litigation revealed just how truly negligent it had acted. On August 10, 1976, Life Science Products co-founder Virgil Hentofti pleaded no contest to 79 of the 153 counts against him. He agreed to testify against Allied and received a $25,000 fine and five years probation. The other co-founder, William Moore, eventually pleaded no contest for himself and Life Science Products. He was fined $25,000 and sentenced to five years probation. Life Sciences was fined the entire $3.8 million, which was entirely symbolic because the company was utterly insolvent. The individual allied employees charged with conspiracy were all dismissed or acquitted. The judge did not want to pin the blame on what happened to what he called lower-level employees. Because of this ruling, not a single person in the Keepone scandal would serve jail time. And other surprising moves, Allied Chemical gave up on its vigorous defense later that month and pleaded no contest to the 940 pollution charges. The company was losing the public relations battle and wanted to end the chatter quickly. As a bonus, the plea could not be used as an admission of fault in its pending civil litigation. The 150 conspiracy charges were eventually dismissed. As punishment for the pollution charges, Judge Murhage enforced the maximum a fine of $13,215,000 was the largest fine ever imposed in a federal pollution case. I hope that after this sentencing, every corporate officer will think, if I don't do anything about pollution, I will be out of a job, Judge Murd said. He believed Allied was acutely aware that it was polluting the river. Quote, pollution is a crime against every citizen. The environment belongs to every single person 
every single citizen, from the lowest to the highest. I think it was done because of what it considered to be business necessities, and money took the forefront. A federal judge today imposed the maximum fine of $13 million on Allied Chemical for polluting the James River in Virginia with the insecticide Capone. Allied used to make, uh, used to make Capone in Hopewell, Virginia. Later it got its Capone supply from Life Science Products Company of Hopewell. However, Judge Murhage hesitated to hand over the entire $13 million fine to the U.S. Treasury. The judge announced he would, quote, be interested in any legal method to keep that money in Virginia to help the people directly injured by Kipone. Allied Chemical had an idea. How about they use $8 million of the fine to establish an environmental endowment fund which would be spent on projects to enhance the environment in the Commonwealth of Virginia? That way the federal government wouldn't receive all the money and it would count as a charitable contribution for the company a tax-deductible disaster. Judge Murridge loved this idea and called it, quote, a very generous gesture by the Allied Chemical Corporation, who he referred to as, quote, good guys in my book. Judge Murridge also reduced Allied's remaining $5 million fine to $1.4 million. The day after the endowment was created, Allied issued a statement of regret for its part in the Keypone contamination. Soon after, the bulk of the civil litigation was settled out of court for undisclosed sums. Reportedly, these settlements totaled about $3 million, mostly covered by the company's insurance. The former workers, families, fishermen, and others initially sought nearly $200 million. In total, the Keypone disaster cost Allied Chemical about $30 million. The following year, 1977, the company recorded $3 billion in sales. To their credit, the Virginia Environmental Endowment was a good idea. The monies have been used to fund studies on the health effects of Keypone exposure, bail out the seafood industry, and helped build a new sewage treatment plant for the city of Hopewell, which opened in August 1977. The following year, the new sewage plant malfunctioned, resulting in discharge that was actually dirtier than before it had entered treatment. The plant was adding excessive amounts of chemicals of its own to the water, they were fined $1,600. Fortunately, none of those added chemicals was Keypone. The Federal Environmental Protection Agency has ordered a ban on a dozen pesticides containing Keypone, the chemical suspected of poisoning production workers. The pesticides are made by Allied Chemical Company, which agreed to the ban, although it argues with the findings that Keypone causes liver cancer. The remaining reserves of Keypone were eventually shipped and buried in a former salt mine in West Germany. The state of Idaho and the country of Wales rejected disposal offers. South Wales is not prepared to become a receptacle for the excreta of an incontinent sector of American capitalism, a Wales member of parliament told Fortune magazine. Speaking of excrement. We found that in humans, cholestyramine increases the rate of disappearance of ketone from the blood and from the fat. It draws it out of the body. It draws it out of the body and eliminates it from the tissues. In February 1978, Dr. Philip Gazelian at the Medical College of Virginia discovered that the cholesterol drug cholestyramine sped up the elimination of ketone from the body by 50% by preventing reabsorption and allowing it to exit through the bowels. This discovery virtually eliminated the short-term effects of ketone poisoning. However, at the time, the long-term effects remained completely unknown. For most former life science products workers, the symptoms have dissipated. Others still exhibited signs 10 years later. They all worry about cancer. To decrease everyone else's chances in the wake of the Keypone scandal, the state passed the Virginia Toxic Substances Information Act and the federal government passed the Toxic Substances Control Act, which has been widely criticized for falling short. The James River slowly recovered. The fishing ban remained in effect for 13 years until everyone just kind of got tired of it. According to the Newport News Daily, even a member of the agency enforcing the ban was caught fishing illegally. By all accounts, the James River is cleaner than before the Keypone pollution. Keypone levels in fish have dropped significantly. However, an advisory about eating fish from the James River remains on the Virginia Department of Health's website because the Keypone remains in the James River.
According to a report by the Environmental Protection Agency, the James River in Virginia has so much keep-home chemical poison it would cost $7 billion to clean it up. Before the industrial dumping of Keepone, the James used to support a large fishing industry. The plan to remove the Keepone from the James River was abandoned because the EPA warned it, quote, may not be technically feasible or financially possible. There was no guarantee it would work and could possibly result in more problems by dredging it up. Other ideas included diverting the entire James River around the problem area. Another included deploying hordes of a Keepone-eating bug until it was discovered that that bug could not swim. So instead, it was decided that the safest option would be let the keypone settle. It's still there, 20 to 40,000 pounds of it, buried a few feet under the sediment like a sleeping monster, waiting to be beckoned by rising sea levels, a tropical storm, or the slightest little shudder from Mother Earth. Swindled is written, researched, produced, and hosted by me, a concerned citizen, with original music by Trevor Howard, aka Deformer, aka the Chemical Capital of the West. For more information about Swindled, you can visit swindledpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Swindled Podcast. Or you can send us a postcard at P.O. Box 6044, Austin, Texas, 78762, but please no packages. We do not trust you. Swindled is a completely independent production, which means no network, no investors, no bosses, no shadowy money men, no pesticides, and we plan to keep it that way, but we need your support. Become a valued listener on Patreon, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify at valuedlistener.com. For as little as five bucks a month, you will receive early access to new episodes and exclusive access to bonus episodes that you can't find anywhere else, and everything is 100% commercial free. Become a valued listener at valuedlistener.com or if you want to support the show and need something to wear on your trip to the James River consider buying something you don't need at swindledpodcast.com shop there are t-shirts, patches, hats, hoodies, posters, coffee mugs and more swindledpodcast.com shop and remember to use coupon code CAPITALISM to receive 10% off your order if you don't want anything in return for your support you can always simply donate using the form on the homepage that's it, thanks for listening My name is Hillary from Denver, Colorado. My name is Karen from New Orleans. My name is Shannon from Newark, Delaware. And, and I'm a concerned citizen, citizen, a.k.a. And, and I'm a bad youth listener. And this is the third year I've tried. So let's see if I make it on the t- recording this year. Great job you're doing. Thanks. Bye. Support for Swindled comes from Orchid Toys. Orchid Toys is a female and LGBTQIA friendly online adult toy store that offers quality products while making the world a better place at the same time. Our friends at Orchid Toys encourage you to come for a cause. That's their actual slogan. A portion of every sale goes to fund a well-researched selection of charities that fight for things like victims of domestic assault, trans equality, abortion rights, reproductive health, and female genital mutilation and trafficking in Africa. This week, I went onto the Orchid Toys website and searched the term chemical to find our product of the day, and I came across something important. It's called Swiss Navy Toy and Body Cleaner. Hygiene is mandatory, my people. That's why you should buy this one-gallon pump of Swiss Navy and Toy Body Cleaner. One gallon of it. That seems like a lot. I mean, there must be a market for it. What do I know? Whatever you're in the market for, I bet you Orchid Toys has it. Go check them out at orchidtoys.com slash swindled. That's orchid, O-R-C-H-I-D, toys.com slash swindled. You'll get a 10% discount and you'll get to come for a cause. Orchidtoys.com slash swindled. You're welcome. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this show. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com swindled today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P dot com slash swindled. Thanks to Simply Safe for sponsoring the show. Protect your home today. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for fast protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/swindled. Don't wait. That's simplysafe.com/swindled.